singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all blessing and honor and glory and power be to you, the only wise King. And Lord, we, um, we want to rest in your presence this morning. We want to come before you as people thirsty for what you have to give us, hungry for what you have to teach us, as people whose only hope rests in you, our only wise King. Would you speak through Chris this morning? Would you give him the words that you want him uh, to say? Uh, And would you give us ears to hear, hearts eager to learn and to apply for your glory and for your kingdom. It is in your son's name we pray all of these things. Amen. Children may be dismissed. Wow, it's loud. Can you hear me okay? Thank you, Tyler, for the fond memories. (laughs) Tyler's so good at Christianese. I love, I mean, drunken heckling. I think that was Christianese for, uh, he would remember better than I would about that night. I got a glare on my iPad. There was a little box up here yesterday when I was rehearsing. It went away. Anyway, I think, can I borrow this? There's a glare on the light on uh, my technology. So that helps me uh, read. So good morning. Getting around to that. My name is Chris. If you're a visitor, are there visitors here today? Do we have any visitors? Locals. All right, where are you folks from? Evergreen. Awesome. Welcome. So most of you know that my name is Chris, and I am an elder here at Obi Joyful Church, and I'm the director of the New Adams House, which is our recovery house here in the valley that was born out of Obi Joyful Church. This is a great setting. A lot of awesome faces here today. I love it. Okay, so... I am the director of the New Adams House, and that is a Christ-centered home for men right now. We're praying over a women's facility, but it's a men's facility, and it's dedicated to uh, helping men who are struggling with with addiction. Um, We're going to talk about that word addiction for a short period of time here in a minute. Um, But basically, that's what it is, and it's Christ-centered. We're we're not a licensed facility, and we hold true to the Word of God there. We use Celebrate Recovery and Alcoholics Anonymous as a tool to help us. We believe that the spiritual basis of recovery is the most important thing uh, in a man's recovery. We're a transitional living facility. So if anybody was wondering about that, and if you'd like more information, please see me after uh, the service today. So we are here at Obi Joyful Church, so I'm an elder here, I'm a second year seminary student, and uh, I've been invited to, to speak to you guys today about recovery, 
And that's what we're going to get into. Uh, it was brought to my attention recently that this aspect of our ministry of reconciliation includes healing. Um, 25 minutes is not a whole lot of time to even talk about recovery. And in, in my feeling, uh, healing is included in that process of recovery. And what we'll do is, uh, if, I haven't, if I haven't touched enough on healing, we can probably add uh, a service dedicated to the healing part of what we are all about here at OB Joyful as well. The leadership will, will discuss that and we'll have an announcement related to that. So... The ministry of reconciliation is what Obi Joyful is all about, and Pastor Scott has um, decided it would be a very good thing for us to review what this church is all about, and uh, that is the ministry of reconciliation, and we're in our third message uh, in a series. I believe it's going to last about eight weeks. Um, Jim, uh, Pastor Jim talked about reconciliation itself. Uh, a few weeks ago, and we found out that reconciliation is all about relationship. Um, And then uh, we're working through the aspects of the ministry of reconciliation that make it up. And and Scott presented an acrostic last week that will help us remember what the ministry of reconciliation is all about. And it's called We Share... Uh, The the acrostic is We Share to help us remember with with a three... At the end, and you can either, if your computer will put the three, raise it up, great. If it lowers it, like ours does, that's good too. Or you could just think three in your head, like the Trinity, right? So, we share stands for worship, equipping, service, harvest, recovery, retreat, and reconciliation. So the E at the end is are those three things, retreat. Recovery and reconciliation, and obviously we're talking about uh, recovery today. Recovery has this word addiction associated to it. It's kind of, um, it's not a real palatable word that we like to use. It's kind of nasty. You know, essentially... Addiction, you guys, um, we we have a, a, a God who is jealous for us. We have a God in the, in the Ten Commandments. God tells us, there shall not be any other God but me in your life. And so, God wants to be here. And just like the cross behind us, our vertical relationship is, is real important. Because without that relationship, the horizontal part of the cross would just... It would turn sideways. It wouldn't look as pretty as it does behind me on the wall here. And so what we, have to do, what we do as, as people is we tend to kind of move God over here because we found something else we want to put up here. And then things get kind of skewed. They miss the mark, right? And so addiction's a nasty word. But it's, it, that's really what it's all about is we've just... We've, we've, gotten off track a little bit. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about how we can get back on track with this word called recovery. Um, Christianese is a really good way to start this message. Um, For those of you who think like a pastor's life is, is really easy, and the guy that gets to come up here and speak on Sunday, like everything is 
perfect in the house. Um, it, it, isn't, it isn't completely perfect. Um, and I have, a, I have a little story to get things started. So my, I have an eight-year-old daughter named Michaela, and we always have this rush time when the bus is coming. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. And um, you're supposed to laugh at this. This is to help me find my humble point and for you guys to, to, to laugh a little bit. So it's okay to laugh about this. Um, so one morning, we're, we're in the rush time, you know. We're trying to get ready and out the door. And, and Dad, using his Christianese, he, he tries to disguise things and go, Okay, so Michaela, if you miss the bus, I'm not going to make you walk to school, but I'll, I'll drive you down. But I'm only taking you to the curb, and then you have to walk in and, and deal with Miss Connie for your tardy slip on your own. You know, and that's my idea. That's the biblical encouragement that we try to use to like move things along. And and in eight year old eyes, they just see right through the Christianese, and they're just like, she she just says, that would be mean, Daddy. So she just sees my encouragement as like this threat that was going on. So it's like I don't know if any of you guys can identify with that. So anyway, I've found my humble point. Let's let's move along here. Three. <laughs> The three points of our message, um, if you look up the word recovery, the synonym for recovery, we're, we're going to be talking about the resurrection today and, and hope in the resurrection. And, and, it's, and, and the reason that we're going to talk about that is if you look up the word recovery in the dictionary, synonym of recovery is resurrection. And so this whole idea of recovery is this is God's effort to recover us. I really like this idea of recovering our sins, but I think when we're, we're talking about recovery, today I'd like to talk about how this is God's effort to recover us. Okay, and there's three points in this message that we're going to work through. Um, the resurrection is God's goal in recovery, and, and we all know that Christ was resurrected, but we're going to be talking about our own resurrection today as well. And, and that is the glorious thing that we have to look forward to. The resurrection will be complete in God's recovery of man. Okay, that's point number two. And number three, what we want to do today is have an understa- understanding that the resurrection gives us hope. So ultimately, we're going to be talking about hope today. In the beginning, now if you are a New Testament person... And you just don't like to go back there in the Old Testament. That's okay. I understand. It's, there can be some challenging things there. But I would like you to turn, if you have Scripture with you, to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start in the beginning. Verses 26 and 27. If you don't have Scripture with you, I encourage you to write this down. This is foundational in recovery. And we'll just read through this. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, foundational scripture. In here we see us 
and hour. And these are plural points pointing towards the plurality of the Godhead. Right? Father, Son, and Spirit, right from the beginning. Us, our, not me, my. Us and our. So Jesus is there from the beginning. Father, Son, and Spirit. The other words that we see in here are image and likeness. God created us in His image and in His likeness. There's a lot of research uh, dedicated to this idea of image and likeness. To boil it all down, you guys, God gave us the things, the tools that he has in order to get into a spiritual relationship with him. He gave us the ability to reason. He gave us the ability to think. He gave us the ability to feel. And these things, these qualities are the same qualities that that God has. So in the end, what he has given us is the ability to engage in a spiritual relationship with him. Through the fall, these entities have been corrupted. Okay? And that's a simple boilerplate way to describe the beginning of this idea of recovery. God gave man the feelings and ability to reason that he has, and the fall tainted our relationship with God. Moving ahead, we go to Romans 7. Romans chapter 7. If you have scripture, you can turn to Romans 7, 14 and 15. We should have it up on the wall. Romans chapter 7, verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, and this is Paul speaking, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. So this is Paul outlining his struggle with sin. And essentially what he's telling us here, everybody, is that the guilt that he feels when he doesn't follow the law, is in reference to the fall. Okay, He feels guilty because he knows the law is spiritual, but he has a hard time fulfilling it. And I think we can all identify with that. I know what I should do, but I have a very hard time doing it. Sometimes I don't do it at all. Sometimes I do it reluctantly. And the guilt that we feel is our relationship with Adam. The law is spiritual. I know I should be doing this, and I feel horrible when I can't carry it out for whatever reason. Which brings us to our topic passage. I'm going to go ahead and read through our passage. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 49. And Paul writes, But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. But what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. 
For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven." Let's take a minute and pray for the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for blessing us with this passage. And we thank you for your efforts uh, to reveal yourselves to us. In Jesus' name we pray for these things. So 1 Corinthians 15, a little background. And I think it's important to look at the background of, of, of where Paul was when he wrote this letter. The letter is written to the Corinthian church. Uh, there is... It's completely, uh, there's no argument against the fact that Paul wrote this letter. Um, Paul is a very highly educated Jew from a pharisaical upbringing in Jerusalem and Tarsus, and scholars estimate that Paul was in the top 1 or 2% of the population at the time during his lifetime in education. So Corinth, you guys, Corinth is located on an and I have trouble with this word, isthmus, separating the Aegean Sea from the Gulf of Corinth and connecting South Achaea from the mainland. So what we know as Greece today, you guys, is basically a, a lobe of land that heads down into the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, And then there's a very large island that is part of Greece as well. Corinth is located on a, on a four-mile-wide strip of land between the mainland and this large island. In this period of time, uh, Corinth was estimated to, to have a population of about 700,000 people. Does that strike like an extremely high number to anybody but me? I mean, that's, there's a lot of people in Corinth. At this time. So, uh, Corinth is a a huge economic area. Um, You've got a situation where you've got a bay. You've got water touching on either sides. And what they used to do to transport materials was to avoid the, the sailing time of moving the goods around this island, sailing for days... The ships would pull in on one side and they would haul all the merchandise actually through the town of Corinth. And actually, at sometimes they would, they would pull the ships out of the water and pull them on rollers through the town on a road that they built. 
to do so. Um, the reason we're getting into this is because the time that Paul wrote this letter, Corinth was a town known for massive corruption. It was a city of industry. It was a city of wealth. It was a city of creature comforts, let's say. It was a city where basically people had a lot of money. They could go buy whatever they wanted at any time. They are very comfortable people. The landscape of the town, it was built on a hill. At the top of the hill was a temple where people would go to worship the goddess Aphrodite. So the sexual morals in Corinth at the time that Paul was planning this church were very corrupt. And the two things that he was addressing at this time when he wrote this letter to the church were these values of corruption. So the best way to describe Corinth at this time, what we could identify is Las Vegas on steroids. Buy anything you want. The human will run, run wild, right? Creature comforts. And the biggest thing that Paul was addressing in his letter was people had no faith in the resurrection. They didn't believe in it. They didn't understand it. And so they, had, they were living a life of futility is what I call it. They were living a life of here and now. This is it. This is all we have. So let's live it up. This is it. This is all we have, so let's live it up. Corinth, the morals were notoriously corrupt, even when compared to pagan Rome. Paul's efforts to plant the church in Corinth met with violent opposition. So his correspondence was coming from Ephesus, where he was working to plant a church there. And so why are we discussing the resurrection Number one, the resurrection is synonymous with the word recovery. And number two, the people of Corinth were questioning the resurrection. Number three, and you'll even see this in 1 Corinthians 15.32, Paul addresses it. The people in Corinth had were living a lifestyle of let's just eat and drink because tomorrow we die. No life of hope. So we're going to study the resurrection now in four parts. We're going to work through our topic passage. And when we begin, we're going to start with verses 36 through 38. And here's some Christianese, or bedside manner. Um, Some people ask Paul a question in verse 35, and he starts out with, You fool! You foolish person! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some grain. But God gives it a body as he chooses, and to each kind of seed its own body. So Paul starts out, you foolish person. So the seed, and what Paul is using in in his explanation in the beginning with the analogy is basically... Paul is using a myth of the time. We all know now that when we put a seed in the ground, it doesn't actually die. But at the time, that's what all the farmers believed, is that when the seed went in the, in the ground, it died, and then there was a body that raised up behind it, okay, that came out of the ground once it was watered and cultivated. So Paul's using this expression 
to basically point out the fact that the body that follows the seed doesn't look anything like the seed. You've got this seed in your hand, and, and, and most seeds that we plant in the ground, we can't even tell what they are, what they're going to grow up to be. If we don't keep them labeled, if we mix up a bunch of seeds, and then we start looking at them, we can't sort out what exactly is going to grow from each one of these individual seeds. So Paul's basically using this to explain the fact that we put this seed in the ground that we can't even pinch in our fingers, it's so dense. And that the body that follows it out of the ground is entirely different. So beginning to clue us in on the flesh and the spirit. The next section, verses 39 through 42, the form itself. And he writes, For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind of humanness, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. So going back to this question and Paul's response, listen, look around. Everybody, you question the limitless ability of God to provide what you need. All you have to do, you fools, is look around. Look at everything around you. From, from the plants, to the candles, to the musical instruments, to Lisa here, to Kevin. Look at the limitless number of forms that God is able to supply. Don't question that. It's, it's around you every day. Okay, second point of his, of his uh, explanation, the form itself. God's creative mind and power is limitless. And that was verses 39 through 42. Verse 42b through 44. Look at the contrasts that are around you. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. There is a sowing. There is a raising. The the dishonorable body gets sown into death and surrenders to death. The raising is the spiritual body. The spiritual body is the body that is capable of accommodating the spiritual realm. So that's our reflection back to Genesis 1, 26 and 27. The spiritual body is one that is able to accept this full image and likeness that God had intended for us in the very beginning before the fall. And that's our point of hope to look forward to. The spiritual body is capable of accommodating the spiritual realm. Part 4 the prototype. And this is verses 45 through 49. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. 
But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. And as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So the first man is the physical, formed out of the dust. Adam. The second one is the spiritual, the Christ. Spiritual following the physical. It's all in Scripture. Verse 48, the emphasis, those who live for the earth and its worldliness are those who are only living after the first Adam. Therefore, the only body they will receive will be the body of death. That is, a body that will be separated from God. Those who persevere in the faith and pattern their lives after Christ will be given a body just like Christ, a perfect heavenly body, and bear the likeness of Christ as well. Keep in mind here the condition of the people in Corinth when Paul was addressing them. That's why we spent the time with the background to talk about that people that were living for the worldliness and not the spiritual afterlife. Side note, it wouldn't be fair to go this far and not talk about what we're looking forward to. So our resurrected body, Paul outlines for us in Philippians 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even the subject, even to subject all things to himself. The body that Christ received when he rose again is the body that we're going to receive. And in 1 John 3, 2, we basically see We will be like him when we see him. Isn't that exciting? Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. When we see him, we will be like him. This is hope. This is all about hope, people. Set aside the worldliness. The resurrection mindset, which is the very opposite of Las Vegas on steroids, is one of hope. There is hope for your recovery, and it is found in the resurrection. God's act of recovering you and equipping you for the spiritual world. There is hope in places like our new Adam's house, a safe place designed for people who want to learn about recovery and have hope in their life of today. There is hope in recovery groups like Celebrate Recovery, Alcoholics Anonymous. These are safe places to learn about addiction and have fellowship with other people that want change to a lifestyle of hope. In closing, what can we do to help further this activity of recovery in the world today. What you can do with me 
is number one, you can pray. You can pray for those who are afflicted with addiction. You can pray for the pushers. You can pray for the producers. You can pray for these strange laws that we have now in Colorado and the people that have set them into Congress. You can pray for anything and everything in all kinds of ways in the Spirit at all times about this process of finding hope in people that are struggling with affliction. Okay? Addiction affects all kinds of people in all kinds of ways. People, Sex addiction, pornography, food addiction, chemicals. Let's pray for this entire process. The producers, the pushers, the people afflicted. Let's share about it. Number two, you can share. You can talk about it. Don't keep the elephant in the closet. If you've got issues in your family, if you feel like you have issues, if you're feeling the guilt over your own lifestyle, if you're feeling the guilt over not saying anything because someone you love is struggling, share about it. Find a place where you can share about it. Find a safe place. Come to the church. Talk to one of the pastors. Call the new Adam's house. Find a resource that's comfortable. Find a counselor that you can talk to about it. So number one, we want to pray. Number two, we want to share. And number three, we want to give. We want to give to organizations that are dedicated to helping people with this process of recovery. The average college student, you guys, has $390 of disposable income per month. If a lot of people gave a little bit of money each month dedicated towards this process of Christ-centered recovery, the capital would really make a dent on this issue that is so prevalent in our society. Give. So we want to pray together, we want to share, and we want to give. Those are the three things you can do with me to help this fight. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get you guys out on a beautiful winter day. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you. We thank you for your word, and we thank you uh, for giving us this time, and we thank you for giving us, uh, giving this church a heart for recovery. We thank you for the hope that you've shown us that's in the resurrection. Bless our worship team as they, as they lead us today further in worship of you. And we praise you and thank you uh, for this time that you've given us today. In Jesus' name we pray for these things. Hey, we're, gonna, um, we're just going to close with a couple of songs of response. And for those, you know, you hear it somewhat often. Of kind of like, you know, oh, you believe in God? I don't see it. I don't, uh, I don't see much of what he's doing. Uh, I think we just did. Because we went from drunkenly heckling to what we just heard out of the same guy, right, in this short period. That is a testament to what God does and who he is and the reality of that resurrection, of that recovery that Chris was speaking about. Would you guys?